Hey, it's Ted. Thanks for letting me take that short break. Hopefully some of you are still here. <laughs> a lot of work school related stuff happened in the past four weeks, including there was a film festival in my town. And then there was a kickoff for Ramo, of course, which is uh, taking up a fair amount of time um, with that in finals and moving back to Buffalo. And the fact that the OneDrive files that I saved the uh, all the written episodes were on, they didn't save when my computer crashed. So I lost about three pre-written episodes so it's been a hectic month, but thank you very much for your patience. I'll have a lot of uh, time now to get cracking on some really good stuff. Um, so stay tuned. This is Art Therapy. Just a few humble discussions on art and the creative process. It's challenges, it's rewards, and how it emerges in everybody, whether you're whizzing around at two in the morning with ideas, or racking your brains on a boring afternoon for just one stroke of inspiration. Here, we talk about it all. Hello, it's Ted, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Art Therapy Podcast. This episode is going to be a bit more laid back. Uh, since I've been writing more, I've been working on a little anthology of writing tips for um, from various gurus throughout history, like Aaron Sorkin or Vogel or Goethe, a bit of Snyder, you know, some teachers that I've had in school, and even Aristotle and his poetics. A lot of little golden nuggets of writing awesomeness, and I'll share a few of those with you today. Some of them might be a bit obvious, but it's, you know, for writers that are just getting into it, and uh, hopefully they can avoid the mistakes that a lot of uh, younger writers have when they're just starting out. First off is a bit from Aristotle's poetics that blew my brain a little bit. He made the clearest difference between comedy and drama that I've seen. The main two different genres in theater, of course, is comedy and then there's drama. To summarize, he said that drama depicts characters greater than us so we can admire them. Comedy depicts characters worse than us so we can mock them. It's a really simple but amazing explanation for characters. If you think about any comedy, one of my favorites is um, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Are we meant to respect or admire those characters? They're terrible people. <laughs> Scott cheats on his girlfriend, Knives cheats back at him, Kim hates everyone, Neil's an impressionable milk toasty kid, Wallace ruthlessly gossips about Scott. We are meant to laugh at characters because they contain obvious flaws that we see in our own lives. And those flaws are exacerbated enough to the point where it's just laughable. Drama's the opposite. I apologize in advance, I'm using The Walking Dead as an example, but trust me, seasons one through three are pretty awesome. Those good characters feel real, with flaws that affect their survival. We admire Rick Grimes as a powerful leader with a moral compass that is constantly being rattled and eventually cracks. There are strong, heightened spirits in these characters that we wish we had in us in real life. Most normal people wouldn't have the strength to handle the situation that these characters deal with, which is why we aggrandize them in drama. The same goes for any other drama. We see them as higher than us so we can admire them and admire the situations that they're in and the fact that they can just bravely push through everything. So keep that in mind when you're deciding the genre of your story. If you're not sure if it's a comedy or drama, think about your characters. We're obviously meant to empathize with them, but do we respect them or do we see our flaws in them? It's a very important thing to consider when you're gauging your audience and their reactions to the characters. For tip number two, uh, when preparing characters, 
the first thing you have to consider is what they want and what they need. Now that seems really obvious, but there's a lot of amateur stories that begin to fall apart when the writer is asked, what does your character want? They might say, well, well, he's a regular guy that starts having weird dreams about blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. What does he want? Well, he's distressed. Why? Your character must have an aim. Sorkin put it really simply, but every story needs a character with an intention and an obstacle in form of a conflict. The clearer and more thought out those elements are, the better, because you need to know what the character wants and why they want it. Whenever I'm looking past at my old scripts and I see just kind of the weird, you know, short film sort of jumble that is student filmmaking, I look at the characters and you ask, what do they want? And they it just doesn't seem very clear. You see a character that just goes through the plot without really having any aims or like goals that like match up with what they're doing. And of course, that causes it to fall apart very quickly. Think of any story or book or movie. Um, simple one, Hatchet. Do you remember Hatchet? Has anybody had to read it in school? For anyone who doesn't know, basically there's a plane crash and there's a kid, all he has is a hatchet and he has to survive as long as possible while he waits for rescue. What does that kid want? Well, that's easy, to live as long as possible and to get rescued. Why? Well, because he needs survival. We all do. It's a primal, eternal need that we have to remain alive and well. So it's an easy conflict that we can all relate to. I love survival stories and games. I think they're good fun. So, but here's a more complicated one. The Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Sixth, sixth Sense. What does Bruce Willis want? To help the kid with his supernatural problem. Why? Because he's a nice guy? Well, possibly, but I think the best reason is because he needs to understand. He wants to understand his patient from a year ago that was so distressed, and he wants to get to the bottom of Cole's condition. And, well, spoiler alert, but it's been out forever. He wants to understand why his wife never talks to him, why he can't get into rooms, why people don't look at him until he finally understands that he's a ghost. Interesting motivation that drives him, but it has to be there and it has to be clear and present. All right, well, final tip, and it's a big one. Thy character shall not act in service to the plot. See, it's all old and fancy and commanding, so it's important, but what does that mean? Well, it means that if you want something cool to happen in a story, your character must have a reason to do it. There are numerous times in less than fantastic movies when a character makes a decision that conflicts with their established values for the sake of plot. For instance, most characters accept the call to adventure way too easily. We can usually suspend that disbelief because if they don't accept the call to adventure, well, what's the point in the story? But there has to be something in the character that makes them want to accept that call to adventure. And not all movies have that because they're focused on plot. Also, there's a catalyst character that seems like the enemy, but he actually wants to help the protagonist, and the protagonist is a-okay with everything way too quickly. Stuff like that. A character can change throughout the story, but they can't make a 180-degree flip in order to make the story easier to tell. If you do it too much, you'll ruin your audience's trust, and the story will no longer become believable. Well, those are my three tips for storytelling, and I'll have a bunch more, and I'll figure out a way to package them in a nice little uh, thing to give to people. So that's it from me. Have a happy Thanksgiving. If you're doing NaNoWriMo, you got 10 more days, so good luck with that. 
Um, if you're in a snowy area, hope you enjoy the snow. And hopefully I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday with a brand new art therapy episode. I'll talk to you guys next week. Adios. Mm-hmm.